We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. I am so privileged to be your host on this audio journey. We do this once again. We do it again with friends. The first one I will introduce today on this special episode is Dolomite Dave Martinez D2. Hello to you, friend and fine sir. What an awesome occasion we celebrate. Cheers to you. Yeah, cheers. I mean, this is uh, kind of exciting. We have got, uh, I mean, for a couple of reasons. I'm excited because, you know, we're kind of sort of celebrating our 50th episode. We've got new digs. We've got actually upgraded our podcasting gear and equipment. So hopefully the audio quality is improving. Um, and uh, I don't have to really be embarrassed. Maybe my voice sounds better than I thought, you know, or think that it will. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Well, we'll let our listeners determine how our voices sound and whether it has changed at all or whether it is better or worse, but we are standing on the ridge, so to speak. You mentioned it. This is episode number 50. We put together something that we believe will be fun and valuable for everyone, us included, as we look back at the last 50 episodes. I will tell you right now, I believe you share these sentiments. This was the most difficult episode we've put together to date. And then on the other side of the ridge, we look to the future. And I know you share these sentiments with heartfelt and deep gratitude. It is for our listeners and those who have allowed us not just to do this, but to have so much fun for 49 episodes leading into this number 50. But just as importantly, the energy that they have given to us, lease free to go forward with the Run ATL podcast, the pillars that we talked about in episode one that we've referenced along the way to inform, to inspire, to empower, and to encourage. And that has resonated and seemingly connected with those who we wish to serve. And my goodness, now with some new equipment, with a new studio in which to do this, it is an awesome indication of not just how far we've come, but how much we've been inspired by those who we have the good fortune of connecting with. Yeah. I mean, when we started this and it's been almost two years, we Amazing. we did it as a little bit of an experiment thinking, all right, well, podcast, this is how people are consuming their content. And it's, the, and it's the, one of the fastest ways of, 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 cons- of consuming content at the time. And we said, well, let's give it a try and really no expectations as to, you know, maybe we'd have one person, two people. Well, we didn't know. It was like, you know, maybe our family, our friends, and that would be the extent of it. And over, you know, first couple months, we started seeing an increase and, you know, people were subscribing and people were commenting and they're leaving us emails. And we didn't really know. It's like, well, you know what? If it doesn't work out, we can always say we gave it our best shot. We tried and we can move on to something else. But the response has been, you know, really outstanding where we have gotten individuals. I've been out, you know, in the, you know, at a race or something like, oh, are you D2? I listen to your podcast. And also like, wow, I feel like a little bit of a celebrity. And and it's, you know, it's kind of cool because 
not because I think I'm a celebrity in any capacity, but it's like, it's cool because there's someone that's actually listening to what the content that we're providing. They're getting some value out of this. And that's something that really we didn't know when we started whether anyone would truly find any value. And to read some of the comments and some of the reviews that people truly do enjoy the content and the information that we're sharing, I mean, that's pretty gratifying. It is gratifying. And, and you mentioned something that I think is is so important to pull out, and that is the term content. And it is the content that we provide that ultimately we hope connects with those who are kind enough to tune in, those who are kind enough to share this. And so it is as we go through this episode that we pull content that we believe connected with us in such a meaningful way. And we learn alongside each of the listeners. Yes, we do preparatory work before each episode. Yes, there is homework to be done before any featured conversation begins, but we learn alongside anyone who listens as the conversation is happening. And for me, that is such a privilege. And then even more so, perhaps an even bigger blessing to this opportunity. You mentioned it was an experiment. And we've talked about this personally, how we are big fans, proponents of failing on occasion, failing regularly, learning from it. As some would say, failing forward. The expression I love to use and have borrowed oftentimes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. So we were willing to have this come up short. And that doesn't change as soon as we get to episode 51 or 101 or 900. And one, we will continue to put ourselves out there, but in true core value fashion for Big Peach Running Company, our intent today through this episode and every episode that follows our promise to you, the core value that simply states, we will make it better. Much more work for us to do, D2. Well, yes. And and, and going back and, you know, the, the, the content for this episode, and really it's going to be, if you've never listened to any of our podcasts this will be a great summary of some of the content that you've missed. And maybe you'll go back to listen to some of it, you know, because um, we're pulling some of our favorites and they're in no particular order. They're just, you know, sound bites that have resonated with us, sound bites that we have taken to heart and going, you know what, I'm going to apply that to my life. Or that's something that resonates with us because it's something that we believe in and we practice. And that failing forward, you know, reminds me of, one in particular, and it's just the episode, you know, this last episode, episode 49, in speaking with Bob Kennedy. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that and, and kind of tease you a little bit, but it's about the just going for it. Awesome. So awesome. And we are going to do just that. I love the fact this new studio, we're in one of Atlanta's most historic and oldest communities. We are in an almost 100 a year residents that we have converted. And just like the past has had such an impact on us and on where we are right now, we also believe the future is super bright. So do not go anywhere. We're going to give you a glimpse of the past. We're going to talk about how it means something to us to play these clips, these sound bites from the last 49 episodes, and make sure that alongside you, together, we all believe the best is yet to come right after this brief message. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. 
Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Njinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles? It doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. May I say more specifically, the 50th episode of the Run ATL podcast. D2 and I are looking back and pulling clips. I mentioned this in our intro. This was by far the most difficult episode for us to put together. Really put D2 as our esteemed producer to the test to pull all of this audio together. But why this was so difficult is we do believe there was so much good content in those first 49 episodes. Most of those conversations were somewhere between 35 and 55 minutes long. So for us to be able to pull a sampling that we could get in approximately 50 minutes for this 50th episode was a tall order. We like to think we gave it our best shot. As we kick this off, D2, we do so with a couple of friends of ours. In episode number four, we had the good fortune of sitting down with Drs. Perry Julian and Charlie Peebles. They have served this community as podiatrists at Atlanta Foot and Ankle Center for even much longer than what Big Peach Running Company has been around. And what has always inspired me is how generous they are with their time and with their knowledge. So we put them in the hot seats. And the reason that this landed on me in a meaningful way was we asked them, okay, you're not only servants to the community with what you do as physicians, but you're also practitioners of this pedestrian active lifestyle. So what is that guidance that you not only dispel to those who are in your office, but that you live out every single day? I think the biggest one, which is by far the hardest one, is listen to your body. Okay. Okay. Your body tells you, you just don't want to listen. And we, we all go through that. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I still don't listen. You know, I got yelled at that today by my physical therapist. So just, you know, I, I don't listen. And, uh, but I think you do need to listen. And sometimes it's so hard to take some time off or to just, you know, slow down a little bit. You know, when I was first doing this, we had several running coaches in Atlanta and most people went by the philosophy of fast, faster, and fastest. And the concept of a rest day was unheard of. And that's when, you know, heart rate monitor training started getting its attention again 30 years ago. And people would say, I can't run this slow. You got to be crazy. But they would do some easy runs and find out that their PRs were getting faster and faster. So I think, you know, you know, listening to your body, if you've been on your feet all day or stressed, that may not be the best time to do a hard run. You know, and you got you got to do that. And then, and the second thing, which we mentioned already, if you had a, my, my pearl, you know, the, the fountain of youth is, is appropriate flexibility. And again, not being, you don't need to stretch 40 minutes a day. We're talking about, you know, simple stretches that you do on a consistent basis. It's not good enough to stretch for two days and then take the next seven days and don't stretch. The problem is that stretching is not sexy. I mean, nobody wants to do it. You know, it's, it's relatively boring. Most of us are not really good at it, uh, so we don't want to do it. But I think in terms of prevention, you know, when you think about allowing, again, as we said before, your joints to work through their range of motion without stealing from some other part of the body. So that's awesome. So we've got flexibility and stretching. We've got listen to your body. Charlie, how would you follow that up? I'm going to kind of, kind of jump in on the same thing of listen to your body. And... You know, it would be great if we all had a check engine light that went on and told us when we were supposed to stop. Um, it works on our cars. It doesn't work on us. So I think 
part of that is whether it be in a race, whether it be in your training, whether it be anything along the lines of listening to your body to trust what it does. And, and, and I, you do that for yourself. I mean, this is I'm, advice I'm that better, you <laughs> I'm better at it now than I used to be. Okay, so and you can say it with a straight face. I can. I right. can. And, and a perfect example is when I first started doing marathons, but what I learned from that was when I first started doing marathons, I said, if you're not running the marathon, then I was doing something wrong. I've since learned, whether it be half marathons, marathons, whatever the case may be, and whatever level you're running at, is having a time of rest somewhere in there, whether it be a rest day or walking through the water stops so that your body gets a little bit of a break, so that you hydrate, you do the things you're supposed to do. When I started doing marathons 30 years ago, there weren't really goos, there weren't all the different options, there was water and Gatorade. And you figured out a way to mix that together and get through a marathon. Now it's a matter of figuring out how to get that rest in there, get your body fueled, get everything together. So you can not just enjoy the race, but finish the race a whole lot stronger. And I feel like I've been able to do that over time. Um, whereas, you know, we all hit the wall at some point. I hit the wall a lot earlier when I was first training than I do now with my half marathons and things like that. So the importance of rest, the importance of resting, and then you mentioned fueling as well is such an important thing that you're taking seriously. Absolutely, and I think the other part of that is it's the resting throughout, it's everything we do in our lives. Our lives now are so busy, so constant, whether it be with kids, grandkids, whatever the case may be, you're constantly going. Our, our lives are constantly moving. Uh, whether it be sitting in traffic, and that comes to flexibility. We sit in traffic for two, three hours a day. So our bodies are tightening up just in that. So maintain that flexibility, listening to your body, not just jumping right out of the car and going for a run, but giving your body a little chance to, to warm up before you're ready to go again. There it is, D2. From the good doctors, right in to our ears and on to the airwaves. Still good advice, even though that was 45 episodes ago. Yeah, that was from episode four. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to the whole thing, that is episode four. And I think that's, this is still a great reminder, even for you or for myself. And we're in the running, you know, business. And I can't, I think still on a regular basis, I just get up and walk out of my place or get out of the car and go for a run without stretching, without doing anything. So it's a great reminder. And then we wonder, I was like, gee, why, is, why am I aching? Why am I sore? Why am I stiff? And, you know, we need to, these constant reminders ourselves. And so for our listeners, you know, it's, it's, I think, a, a, an even better reminder um, that, that these things we should be more conscious about in maintaining and, 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 and protecting our body so that we can continue to do this for many, many years, decades down the road, so that it's not something that's just a quick, I did ran for a year, ran a 5K, and that's it, I'm done. It's like something you can enjoy for your entire life. Indeed. And before I let you introduce our next clip, I do want to say to all of you who are listening, who are part of that service community of not just physicians, but wellness professionals, fitness professionals, health professionals that provide reminders like what we just heard and so many others that D2 and I and all of our listeners need. Thank you so very much for not just doing that, 
but for all that you do. We are all in this together as people who wish to get the most out of every single day and those who want to encourage others around us to do the same. So that is a very genuine thank you from us to you. D2, you've got another clip for us, I believe. Yes. So this is one that, you know, um, it's from episode eight with uh, Abby and John Keenan, who are with Intrepid Performance Consulting, and they do a lot of mental coaching. And you would think that this has to do with a very, you know, maybe just with elite athletes and those that are very competitive. But the little nugget that I picked up had nothing really to do with the type of metrics that you would think of. It's not about PRs. It's not about times. And so listen to this because it really, I think, resonates. It resonates for me. And I think it resonates to a lot of the runners that are probably not the real competitors that run just for the pure enjoyment. Just to reiterate, that goal doesn't have to be a metric within the race. It can just simply be, I want to feel more confident in my racing gear. I want to be able to look in the mirror and feel like I just completed a half marathon and look like I've just completed a half marathon. And whatever that means to that person, that's a big piece of this too. Is it doesn't have to be a metric within the sport. As long as it's a metric that you care about. So for me, I mean, that is really important because I think, you know, we see a lot of runners that are just getting started or walkers or someone that's just getting into the fitness, you know, lifestyle. Um, and they're intimidated by everyone else because they think everyone's just focused on time. Um, how fast are you? And, you know, even to this day, you know, if you're like, oh, I ran a marathon, what was your time? Did you PQ? It's like sometimes it's not really about the time, but about the journey, the experience. And as, you know, John mentioned, it could be just confidence. You know, and that's one thing that I've seemed to have have felt the more I ran, the more I've got more active, the better shape I got. I got more confident in, you know, in public speaking, in, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm not going to, going to be a co-host in a podcast. You know, it could be wearing split shorts where I never would have done that probably, you know, 15 years ago because I wasn't confident enough or lining up at the front of a starting line because I'm like, well, I'm not fast enough. I'm not a real runner. So just the ability to, um, set these little goals, these little metrics, and they don't have to be time-based. It doesn't have to be, you know, just, it has to be something that means something to you as an individual. And it could be, I just want to fit into, you know, my favorite pair of jeans that I can no longer fit in. It doesn't have to be like, well, I've got a PR by X amount. I got a Boston qualify. I got to get into this race or I've got to beat someone else. It's what matters to you. And it's, and, and it's that mental, um, you know, kind of footnote. That's what drives you. That's what kind of gets you out the door every single morning or however, whenever you need to go out for a run. It's that motivation to get you out there. And it doesn't have to be a time goal. It doesn't have to be the fastest. It's just, what does it mean to you? And it could be something very personal. Like I just want to be more confident. I just want to have more energy when I, you know, when I walk up a flight of stairs that I, you know, I can do now that maybe I couldn't do say a year ago. Well, for sure. What John and Abby do through all of their work is they give us each as individuals, a license to find our own path, to define our own journey. And it's an awesome reminder. My wife uses an expression, not so much for running a race, but being mindful of how we live our life. And that is everyone needs to run their own race. And that is so true. John did an awesome job of pulling that 
out for us. Our next clip, D2, super cool for me. The timing's awesome. I got a chance to run into her last night in our Decatur store to celebrate Women's History Month. We put together this athlete panel. These three women were amazing. Their stories and their willingness, not just to share what they've accomplished, but quite frankly, to connect with the audience, to connect with our team, to connect with me in a way that suggested, my goodness, there is so much potential in all of us. And not just to recognize it, but to go after it. Super, super cool. And of course, I'm talking about Danny Grable. Yeah, I mean, I, I had heard about Danny Grable long before I met her. And, you know, she has got, she has, you know, a list of accomplishments. I mean, the first woman to do Epic Five, which is five Ironmans back to back on, you know, five different islands, five consecutive days is just amazing. Um, for her to be a part of a, you know, all female team, you know, to race across America. I mean, these are things that you're going, who does this? And, you know, Danny's one of them, you know, and she's, and the thing is, is you think, oh, she's always been this way. She's always been, um, you know, an athlete and she wasn't, you know, she was one of those individuals that, you know, was overweight that, you know, felt uncomfortable walking into a gym that she had to work out on her own, you know, in the privacy of her own home just so that she would get to a certain point where she goes, okay, now I have a little bit more confidence and I don't feel so bad walking in a gym and, you know, to me, it's like I think that a lot of people can resonate with that and understand because they probably have felt the same thing. And then, you know, I'll let you listen to it because I think there's, you know, there's something there that she said that I've applied and I'll, I'll get into it a little bit more because I know it's affected me and how I do things now. So let's take a listen. So um, I used to weigh about 225 pounds and lost about 75, 80 pounds. I think the first thing that when people say, well, where do I start? Um, you know, I kind of think back about my journey. Everything that I did was wrong. I, I didn't really have anything that was healthy. So I didn't eat correctly. I didn't exercise. I didn't practice any good self-care. It can be completely overwhelming when you think about having to change everything that you do. So I really recommend that people just try to layer changes. So if you're gonna give up something, if you're gonna give up cream and sugar in your coffee, Try that for a couple weeks, then add exercise a couple weeks later, maybe give up McDonald's, you know, just layer the changes. Don't try to just all of a sudden go from eating McDonald's three times a day to being a vegan the next day, because it's just not going to work. You're going to be, um, you're just going to go from one extreme to the other. And for most people, that just seems too harsh. It seems too hard to kind of stick to those parameters. So easing into it really gently, I think is the best the best advice that I can offer. Yeah, I mean, I think that is is just great advice. And I ended up doing exactly what Danny suggested long, you know, a while back, not really knowing and that that's what I was doing. But back when I was working in, you know, kind of like the corporate world, um, you know, TV news was very kind of, you know, rush or there all the time. There's breaking news and they would end up getting, you know, Chick-fil-A and, you know, you didn't have time to eat. So you just go down the street and get something, you know, you know, at Wendy's or fast food, basically, you know, and I'm hitting, you know, the break room and I'm drinking sodas just because I need the caffeine. And I started putting on weight. I wasn't working out as much as, and probably very little or none at that point. Um, so I ended up deciding that, all right, I'm going to cut out soft drinks altogether. And that was one step. I didn't try to do it all drastically, you know, as Danny suggested. Then it was like, okay, I'm going to cut off, um, you know, fast food. I was eating, going out, eating lunch every day and eating fast food every day. 
And over a period of a year, I lost like 10 pounds, not doing any type of exercise routine at all. And that made a big difference. And I'm like, okay, well, now I've lost some weight. Now I can start running and doing these smaller things. And I've still applied that. And, and Danny reminded me of this when, when we had her on the podcast because, you know, and you've noticed this. Like I used to drink, you know, cream and sugar in my coffee. And now it's like, okay, well, I'm, I've, I've no cream, you know. Sugar, I still a little bit, but it's less. I've cut back. It's like instead of, you know, you know two packets of sugar, it's like one. I've cut that in, in, in half, and it's a gradual change. And other things that I've done even recently is, you know, breakfast, no longer cereals. Cereals are high in sugar, and, you know, little by little, I'm starting to see a transformation. You know, my body's changing. I'm, I'm losing weight, um, and I feel fitter. I feel uh, leaner, and, you know, really without upping, you know, the my, you know, fitness routine. So it's those little changes and it starts becoming kind of habit. And I, I you know, that is, I think, is, is a great example uh, and a great um, suggestion for anyone out there who's trying to make a change, who's trying to transform. And that's, you know, for me, the, the, the episodes I picked out have a lot to do with transformation. And because I think that's everyone wants to be a better version of themselves. It's just how do you find it? It's never easy. There's no quick fix. But I do think he's taking these smaller steps and just gradually building on them. You start making those changes because everyone fails at that New Year's resolution or the new diet because they try to change everything at the same time and do it all at once and expect immediate results. And it's a long process. Well, indeed. And, and, and I have to say, I love her expression layering on the changes. It's so easy to remember. I put you on the spot at one point, D2, in one of the episodes, I'm not sure I can recollect which one, but I asked you, how do you eat an elephant? Do you remember the answer this time? Oh yeah. You said, uh, you know, one bite at a time, right? One bite at a time. Yes. An ancient expression. And Danny pulls that out that yes, change is difficult. It doesn't happen overnight. You should not go after it all at once. It's one bite at a time. And if I can brag on our new studio, I can tell everyone now that the coffee is but arm's length away. We have upgraded our ability to ensure that D2 gets his coffee the way he <laughs> likes it. No cream for him. D2, one of the things that is really cool is now that we're at episode 50, I think we'll have those instances where we get to bring friends back again and maybe again and again and again. But the first opportunity we ever had to do that was with Kate Edwards. She's been with us twice this particular clip comes from the first episode where we had the good fortune of sitting down with her. She's a published author. She also is a service provider to so many of those in this market with what she does. But you can't be around her, let alone have a conversation with her, where you don't glean something from her and then walk away feeling better about yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, this clip, you know, I think this, once again, it's that, you know, a, a good reminder. It's something to always know. It's like it comes around, you know, because of injury. And, I'll, and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Mike out under the bus for this because every time that their question has been asked to one of these providers is because Mike is the one who's had the injury. Mike's the one who's had, oh, I've got knee pain. How many, you know, he doesn't say he's got knee pain. Our listener wrote, I was like, it wasn't a listener. It was Mike. I Mike, am a listener. Well, you, and I write. I write a lot of the questions. <laughs> So it's been Mike typically, but so this is a good reminder for Mike because Mike likes to just throw more mileage at stuff. Do not do that. Uh, listen to this great advice uh, from uh, Dr. Kate Edwards. If something hurts for more than seven days, you, know, you need to start thinking about seeing somebody. Seven consecutive days. Seven consecutive days. Um, 
I agree and I don't agree with that. Okay. So a little bit. I think you can give yourself a little bit more leeway than seven days. Okay. Um, especially with um, the way our lives are, um, how much stress impacts our injuries. Sometimes if you just dial some of that back, it actually might help. Um, but I think that if something is really sharp um, and comes on suddenly, you absolutely need to see someone because that might be a stress fracture or it might be something else. So that's the one thing I say. As soon as it happens, you should go. Independent of, of however many days. Yes. If it's a sharp pain it's or a, comes on suddenly. Or you can't walk because of it. Um, you certainly shouldn't be running on it until it's been looked at, at okay. least. Um, so that's the biggest thing. I think otherwise, if it's an overuse injury, which most running injuries are, I would say give it a week. If it's still hurting, take time off. So when you say give it a week and take time off, you would you run. take time off in that week? No, would you dial it back? You would just say, keep at it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't go away, if this niggle that seems to have set in yeah. continues to be present for seven or 10 or however many days... Mm-hmm then it's time. Otherwise, you stuck with your routine. It kind of dissipated or disappeared altogether on its own. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I think that people all too often just stop. And we actually lose a lot when we stop running. So we lose, um, so every step we take, our bones are changing to form to, um, to conform to the gravity and the ground reaction force that's coming up. Our muscles and tendons are stronger. So when you take a running a runner out of running, that can be a really big deal unless they need to be taken out of it. So I say if something, and I think a lot of people might disagree with me. I'm going to put that out there. Okay, too. here we go. Here it is. <laughs> D2, are you ready? People yeah. might disagree with me, but I, I found it to be true. I mean, there are a few things where you absolutely have to stop somebody. And I think sharp shooting pain is one of them. Um, or if you can't walk on the limb. Um, otherwise, keep running, doing what you do what you're doing for seven days. And if it's not changing, take a week off. If you start up on the third week and it's still hurting, you need to see somebody. So this is great advice because I recently ended up having some calf issues and I was out on a run and I I could feel my calves were kind of tight. And then going up this one hill, I was like, oh, I'm just going to power up this hill, you know, nice and easy or, you know, just kind of just get over because I'm almost done a mile away. And I'm like, I've been feeling good. And all of a sudden my calf just locked up. It tightened up. It, you know, it became a knot. And I managed to run home at a much slower pace, but hobbled a little bit and not sure what it was. And so I was like, well, maybe I just need to foam roll it and just roll it out, massage it. And I did so, but it was just, I could feel a knot in my calf and I would hobble around for you know a good day or two and stayed off of it and then just continue to massage it. But I did not run for seven days. I gave myself exactly seven days and, you know, I could feel that the calf was loose, but I still felt pain. And that could have been just because I massaged the heck out of it that I ended up bruising that muscle and, and my calf. And that's what I was feeling was that pain. Um, but it was it, it hurt enough to where it's like, this is noticeable. I've never felt this type of pain before. And then after a week and making sure that I hydrated because that was another thing I was thinking. I was like, well, maybe I, you know, I had a cramp you know, on the other calf you know, the night before while I was in bed. So maybe it's hydration issue. And, and so I was like, I'm hydrating. I'm taking electrolytes. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm massaging. And then once I got back in, 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 uh, after seven days, I'm like, okay, it's, it's not perfect. But it's much better. And then after that, I was able to kind of continue and, and feel better. And it hasn't come back since. So once again, it's like, at what point, you know, Mike, you probably would have just said, oh, I'll just keep running and just throw more mileage at it. I'm a bit more conservative only because I am a little bit older than you. I want to, I want to, I, I need to carry. Yeah. That is not entirely. <laughs> is it, yes, it's true. But just to a small degree. But what I love, D2, is that Kate Edwards was in between your ears. 
you thought about those seven days. And I think that's what's so enjoyable for us is to know that the content that we're providing can make a difference like it did there for you, like so many instances where it does for me. And I think about the timing of when we'll release this episode number 50 will be very much in concert with when the lottery results for the 50th edition of the AJC Peachtree road race are announced. And we'll have so many people who are given the good fortune of participating in that race, but it will be their first 10K or perhaps their first road race, or maybe it's their first effort to train for something and get to a start line feeling really, really good. So I would suggest if that's you or someone you know, share what Kate shared with us And that clip that we just played, there's so much good advice packed into that small snippet with guidance for D2 as someone with tremendous experience, as well as for someone who's just getting started. D2, you mentioned earlier how New Year's resolutions sometimes can be so overwhelming. This next clip that we are going to play comes from a friend of mine, someone who you too have been given the privilege to better get to know. She references in this clip, New Year's resolutions. We talk about statistically in the conversation, how few Americans even bother to set them anymore because no one wants to ever fail, fail at anything. And yet you and I hopefully have dispelled any myth that we've never failed. We've dispelled any possibility that we're not willing to fail. And as Tina Tate walks us through her mindset as someone who by her own account was incredibly unfit and unqualified to be the person she is today. She will tell us very rightfully that it's okay to fail. And this is a quote from her hundreds of times, but just keep trying. I would kind of say you really don't have a choice. Like, you in order to be healthy and stay alive you have to do something you just have to move no matter really what it is like trying and trying again stopping is not going to do anything it really isn't it's only going to make it worse and the longer you stay in that void the harder it is to flip the switch back on and get going again. And nobody wants to be sedentary for the rest of their life. Deep down, I'm sure not. Nobody wants to be trapped in their house or unable to wear clothes or unable to walk up a flight of stairs. I fundamentally believe that. And I mean, I can't tell you hundreds of times how I gave up. Um, I still think about when I did my first couch to 5k which was, the, which was, you know, after I really started committing to being a runner, I gave up for two months because the first 20 minute run made me so sick. I couldn't physically think, yeah, sick. physically ill. Like I, I got physically sick after running 20 minutes and now I run for six hours, but that took years and years and years. And it just took, you know, stopping, starting, starting over. But the commitment always has to be there. You just you just got to realize that the longer you wait, the harder it is going to be to keep going again. Well, and we can occasionally take a strong position. And I love what you said. You said you have no choice. And for every one of us, even if we're not willing to say, I'm going to do this for me, there's someone out there who really, really, really cares about you. Do it for them. You have no choice. And I know 
And you've already referenced your father a couple of times that there's a personal story there in his example to you. Maybe not with the storybook ending you would have liked, but obviously an indication that, my goodness, do I wish it would have been different because of how I felt about him? What would you say to that person who may not do it for him or herself, but has others that they may not be considering? What was it that you used to think about your own father that is now part of your story? I just think that um, he was 47 when he died. And I just look at when I was 47, which was, you know, just I just made it past 47. And that was a really big deal. But when you think about that in terms of how long we live now, that is so young. That is only half of your life. And why would you want to give up half your life to eat junk and sit around and watch TV? It's getting so much easier to do those things, too. And I understand completely because I love it. I loved it. I don't love it anymore. <laughs> I've fundamentally changed how I think about fun. And it, it took a long time. But again, it was doing it over and over again. D2, Tina thinks we're middle-aged. If we go by her math, <laughs> you and I are halfway through our life. And just like many, many Run A Tale podcasts to come, we believe the best is ahead of us. Awesome to hear from Tina. We have another story that, of course, really geeked us out because it was, in your term earlier, is perfect for this. Transformation. What a powerful term and how true it is for Miss Kimberly Bradley. Well, yes. And, and, you know, for, for Kimberly, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, she was not a runner. She actually looked at us, you know, and looked at other individuals on the road and said, why are they running? I'm like, there's only, there's only one reason to run is that's if you're being chased. I mean, she did not, she was those that in, individual that was sitting in a car and just didn't understand running until one day a friend talked her into doing the hot chocolate. And she signed up doing the 15K with no run training at all. And it was not easy for her. But she felt this, you know, she got that runner's high. And she started running. But then she, it was, it actually helped her because her being overweight, being asthmatic, all of a sudden there were additional benefits. And that's that's what this clip here is about. I was using my inhaler probably about five to ten times a day. You know, I do a couple of puffs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then as I started learning to control my breathing and with the running, um, I had a trainer tell me one time, he was like, your body, the only thing your lungs is doing is trying to filter the air and, and oxygenate, I think it's oxygenate the blood. He's like, you're not going to die. And when I found, I was like, really? And so when I started um, doing my training to become a personal trainer myself, I started reading all this material like, what? So I'm not, it's like, no, you just feel like your heart is going to cave in. But it's not. And went from that to literally I've done half marathons. And sometimes I will do a preventive puff just for the anxiety. But most of the time don't even use my inhaler when I go run. Like at all. I keep on me as a security risk because of we're in Georgia and the allergies in the air and everything. Um, but I, I, I go days, weeks without using my inhaler, which my own family can attest to. They never thought that would even happen because I was such a sickly you know, quote unquote, child because of my asthma. But the running and the cardio have really helped that. Even being plus size, um, it really helped strengthen my lungs and allow me to embrace a lot of these physical activities without the anxiety of not being able to breathe. So, I mean, that's a great story of just how running has helped someone not only transform, but actually improve their quality of life because now she's not relying on an inhaler. She only uses it, you know, 
very rarely just from strengthening her lungs. And to me, that's huge. You know, I mean, if we got more people running, and you and I have talked about this, I mean, the benefits of of just running as, as mental, as physical, and even emotional just to make you stronger. And in this case, there was something there that, you know, for her, just improved, just changed her quality of life. It did. And I will tell you, getting to know her has changed the quality of my life. And I know that that is what she is all about. She changes the quality of so many lives. You heard some of the background noise, perhaps in that clip, one of the rare instances where we taped in a site that we quite frankly didn't know what we could do to control the noise. And I mentioned this during the full episode, please go back and listen to it. But I walked into a coffee shop where Kimberly does some work and then obviously does some hanging out. And the person who was at the counter and took my order, they saw my run ATLT and they're like, oh, you need to meet Kimberly. And I said, I'd love to, is she here? And sure enough, she was there and they brought Kimberly over and we just immediately connected. She has this vivacious personality. It was a terrific encounter and maybe the only time I immediately made this non-producer's decision to, we've got to get you on our podcast. You just have such an awesome story and such an inspirational personality about you. We have to share you with others. Another instance, D2, of not knowing what is going to occur in our, at that point, quasi, sometimes unpredictable, even mobile studio. I recall you being sprawled out on the carpeting of a place I used to call home in the Superman position, thanks to Dr. Norman Ang. I think we have him, too, coming up on this very esteemed list of clips. Yes, yeah, so he is next. And, and you know, this, uh, you know, what I got out of this, uh, you know, conversation was the importance of just strength. And it's, and specifically, he was talking about core strength. So let's take a listen. First place I would start is definitely at your core, okay? So a lot of people say, oh, my core, I do my core all the time. I do probably 100 sit-ups a night. And I'm like, well, that's not exactly your core. Okay. Um, what's also not exactly your core is when they say, oh, yeah, I was uh, uh, doing squats i was using i was working my core that's not exactly your core because the one thing i always tell people too it's like saying all right when you do a bicep curl you curl up and then you flex your shoulder a little bit all right that does that really work your shoulder or is it really working your bicep it's using your shoulder but the focus is the bicep so what you really have to do is do a core focused exercise so Everybody knows how to do a plank, right? Yep. You have to think of your core as a cylinder, all right? And that cylinder, when it's fit, it will help drive everything and it will help. It's that main engine and it will make everything faster and stronger. So, yeah. So at that episode, we were talking about doing things like the Superman and, you know, uh, strengthening the hamstrings and, you know, what Norm recommended was three minutes, three times a week, so nine minutes total of strengthening the core, especially doing something like Superman because it's an era that's, you know, neglected. And so, you know, you and I said, you know, well, we're going to make some commitments. And this, so I'm throwing, have you done any core type work? Have you done Superman or any type of core work? So yes and no. So the yes is for the core work. 
and I was pretty consistent with core work before that conversation. And he gave me reasons to better understand why it was so important. But then he also gave us different ways to do it, perhaps even more effectively. He is such a craftsman in what he does. Where my no, unfortunately, comes in if I'm just super transparent and very vulnerable here with you as the person who asks and our audience who I'm sure can relate to this and where we encourage one another, it has been incredibly inconsistent on the Superman. I guess it's Superman, Superman if you do it more than once. But I love hearing that clip because just like what Tina was telling us, we need to hear these things again and again and again. And the fact that I have failed on that as I look at 2019 thus far does not mean that needs to continuously continuously be the case. So for me, I'd say it was, I think after the episode, I was trying to be consistent and then became inconsistent. And then, you know, post-marathon, I started, you know, taking a little bit more seriously. So while it hasn't been specifically Superman, um, I have done other type of core work. I have looked up for videos that uh, allow me to, you know, learn how to be more effective in core type work uh, to make sure it's done properly and maybe even uh, ramp it up a little bit more. Um, so I won't say it's three times a week, definitely one time a week to two times a week is what I'm consistent at right now to where I'm doing a variety, you know, uh, you know, a combination of planks that side planks with, you know, and I couldn't demonstrate it here, but you know, it's all audio anyway, but basically you're doing a plank where you're kind of rotating out to do a side plank and then rotating back in and putting one arm underneath and rotating in the opposite direction and then going back out to a side plank before going down and then switching to the other arm. So that's really difficult to do um, because from what I've, you know, I've heard that, you know, holding a plank is, is it's good. It's great as a beginner, but it's, it doesn't activate everything. So this is a way of kind of combining the side planks, you know, front planks, back and everything all in kind of one. So it's really efficient way of doing, working the core as a cylinder, as Norm suggested, and doing it as like, well, in just one type of exercise. And you don't have to do, you know, a lot of them. You just have to do as much as you can do until fatigue. And then it's like, okay, well, if I only got three, great. Well, next time I'm going to try to hit four. And the next time I'm going to try to hit five or whatever it is. And you continue to do that. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I have been a little bit more consistent. And I have noticed a difference in my running because I do notice that my stride has opened up because a core isn't just your abs. It, it's below. It's the lower legs as well or, you know, kind of the hip flexors. And I notice that I'm able to activate them more because I do things like leg raises and things like that that tend to work out those um, muscles that if you're seated all day are not getting the type of work and contraction that you need. So I notice that and I can actually see it in my times as when I'm running, I can look at, you know, if you've got a Garmin and you've got something that measures stride length, you can actually see that when you're running faster, your stride actually gets longer. And when you're running slower, it stride gets shorter. So if you can make that correlation and use that to kind of guide, you know, and, and, and kind of the workouts that you need to, that's, that's a, a really great benefit. Indeed. And you framed it up perfectly. And yet at the same time, I know we believe keep that core strong. Strength training matters for those who are light in that area, like D2 and I are willing to admit, go back and listen to that entire episode with Dr. Norm Ang. Here's something, D2, that I know you and I share as a passion project. And that is what we would refer to as wellness in the workforce. 
And we had the chance to sit down with three women who are genuine experts in this area. And it was one of the most enjoyable afternoons I had in all of 2018. And although I'd love to just play the entire episode, I will not. But Jessica Rossi here, in a brief clip, gives us something to think about, whether we're leaders in our workplace or in our department, or whether we are those who are making our way most days into a workplace and how we can get started or how we can stick with it being one of those things where we are now part of a workforce culture that takes fitness, wellness, and our own well-being very much to heart. So I will say we we really started at Cox with the support of leadership, knowing that our chairman and our leaders live healthy lifestyles, have always been very involved in fitness and encouraging healthy lifestyles for others. And that alone helped permeate the design and influence of expanding the campus and putting a gym in place and making sure that we had um, a cafeteria that had a variety of healthy options. So um, for us, the leadership piece is key, but you certainly don't have to have a large budget or a dedicated resource to implement some of these things wherever you are. Um, I think that if there's someone who is an influencer, um, the first thing is really to be that example and leading by example. Um, I know this is a running podcast and I love to run. Um, while it's great to encourage other people to do to do certain things, one of the things I would caution for anyone who's being an influencer is to encourage people. Suzanne mentioned meeting people where they are. Um, and so encouraging people at the workplace is incredibly important, but not saying, um, I'm a runner. Running is the best. You need to run. Because mm-hmm. um, all of us who are runners probably have heard, well, I only run if something's chasing me. Sure. And yep. then everybody shuts <laughs> down and they're probably not going to then be supportive of your own health goals. So one being leading by example, but then encouraging people where they are. So, you know, if someone says, I'm really trying to eat more vegetables, the next time you see them saying, man, have you tried any new vegetables recently? Instead of say- someone saying, I really need to get in shape. And then us turning around and saying, well, you need to run and you need to eat better and you need to drink more water because that alone, creating a culture of that inclusion and encouragement will go a really long way to just building the culture instead of um, being more prescriptive about it. Well, in D2, one of the reasons I love that guidance is because for those of us in the workforce, for those of us who are spending a considerable amount of our waking hours plying our trade, doing what we do to bring value to the market, and are serious about consistency or making a commitment to taking care of ourselves and our fitness routine, you cannot easily separate the two and say, I'm going to be great in this arena and I'm going to be great in this arena and the two will never intersect. Instead, I believe because of the requirements of anything where consistency is needed, we need to integrate those two. So where fitness is a lifestyle in a workplace, I believe we have so much of a much better chance at success. Jessica brought that home for me. Yeah, I mean, and you and I have come from the corporate world, and I know that I was unhappy, and I actually worked for Cox, but things are changing, and I was at a kind of outside of the corporate, you know, where their headquarters are at, which even back then was a world-class facility. I just didn't have access to it, and I worked a very hectic schedule in TV news to where it was very difficult to 
to be mentally healthy, physically healthy in that type of environment. And I'm, and, and, you know, maybe it's changing. I, I do believe, uh, in our conversation that now employees do have access you know, at their other locations to their corporate gyms. Um, but it's really important because I think the studies, well, I know because we've seen studies that says, you know, if you're healthy, if you're active, if you're, if your employer takes, um, you know, your, your health and your physical fitness seriously, you're going to be more productive. You're going to be a much happier uh, and more productive employee than if they didn't care at all. And that's a huge difference. I know I'm much happier now. And that is one of those things that whether we can influence others or whether we are an official leader in our organization, we can play a role that goes so much further than just the P&L or just the quarterly results. And that has real significance. Someone in our community who is super significant and was a guest of ours, we're going to play a clip from Dr. Jonathan Kim with Emory University, a cardiologist and someone who has dived very deep into cardiovascular health and how it impacts those who are living, wish to live, or need to live a pedestrian active lifestyle. He gives us, in my opinion, one of the best phrases of our first 49 episodes. Let's listen into it. Yeah, so there's three key words here that everybody should remember, and that is simply exercise is medicine. So once you uh, engage in, in exercise, understand that there are many benefits. The interesting thing, and I think one of the cooler parts about exercise, is that we don't actually understand to the biochemical level why exercise leads to all of these good things. But we clearly know from an outcome standpoint that exercise has beneficial uh, effects on blood pressure. It lowers blood pressure. It lowers your cholesterol levels. Uh, it reduces um your fasting blood sugar, so the risk of diabetes. It improves cardiac performance. It improves cardiac longevity. Those who exercise live longer. We know that. It's not just the heart. If you go from head to toe, exercise has benefits from the brain throughout every organ system that we have. So uh, it's important to not scare people, but just to promote that we want people to exercise. In fact, even for many of these cardiac conditions that I just referred to that may have some risk for leading to an untoward cardiac event in rare circumstances during strenuous exercise, we want those folks to exercise still. It used to be for many of these conditions, if you had these, you were told, oh, you can't exercise. You gotta, it's too dangerous. Well, in 2018, there's good science out there and there's just a recognition that that was probably the wrong thing to promote. And certainly for many of these things, you're gonna need to have the guidance of an expert. But getting out there and being active is so, so uh, important. If you look at the American Heart Association, the recommendation is for 150 minutes per week. That's 30 minutes, five days a week of moderate, vigorous level exercise. So it's not a ton. That's what everybody should be engaged in. The reality also is there are good uh, scientific reports out there that tell us that even if you just get out there and walk 10 minutes a day, um, so very little aerobic exercise, you will start reaping immediate benefits when you look at long-term epidemiologic outcomes. So that is the key point is that um, no matter how healthy you are, exercise is something that should be recommended. And when I talked about looking at cardiac risk, well, that's important to kind of ensure that 
maybe you either should or shouldn't consider some sort of pre-participation testing um, for those. And this is really geared for those maybe who want to train for a marathon or something like that, and you're 60 years old and you've done it before. Well, yeah, you want to make sure that there there isn't one of these red flag conditions where there should be some sort of uh, maybe some pre-participation testing before engaging in that in in that particular um, uh, type of exercise. Um, but uh, once we know that many of these individuals have cardiac risk, we promote exercise. So if you have hypertension, that doesn't mean that, well, you have hypertension, you can't exercise. Actually, that's going to be a big part of your prescription. There may be medications, but also promoting at least the standard AHA recommendations for exercise. Exercise is medicine. My favorite phrase of the first 49 episodes, whether it is preventatively, recuperatively, regularly, it is so true. Take that to the bank. Yeah. I mean, for me, that has been my medicine. Um, you know, I usually don't get sick, but physical exercise for me, just being active is, I think, what has kept me healthy. You know, where I, I just, you know, haven't really been sick, haven't had to go to a doctor. And for me, exercise is medicine. And, you know, I may not be, you know, have the six pack abs. I may not, you know, go out and qualify for Boston. I may not be the first to cross that finish line. But I hope I'm around long enough to outlive anyone that isn't, you know, keeping themselves, you know, healthy and avoid the medical costs associated with, you know, living, you know, kind of not really taking care of yourself, not being healthy. Our next clip, D2, you set it up so perfectly, whether you knew it or not, has been on both sides where she has crossed the finish line first. She has been at the pinnacle of the sport as an Olympian, as an NCAA champion, and now she is a broadcaster. She does much on her own, including having her own podcast, but she is serving the sport and serving those who have come behind her, both as elite and recreational athletes. She has an expression that she says rightfully to all of us, and more importantly, that she lives out every single day to get after it. Of course, I'm caught talking about Carrie Tollefson. What a special interview she was. Yeah, I think her energy is just makes her one of my favorite people. I remember meeting her first at the uh, Kilometer Kids Challenge um, when you ran against her on the treadmill, and then we got a chance to sit down with her afterwards. And just her energy, and just you know, and she described herself as a happy runner, and that's sort of kind of what she wants to be, you know, remembered as. It's just she's always happy, even though there's times where it may take a little bit for her to get to that happy place, and may take a run or two for her to do so. But she said something that she just she said it very quickly. You know, in reference to her being a world-class athlete that I just found really like, ah, I'm like, you know, I will never forget the phrase that she used because it's something to aspire to. So let's take a listen. For me to be a world-class athlete is the same thing that's going to make me be a world-class human being. So I just kind of try to always go back to that and and think about the, the road that I traveled to get to the Olympics. It wasn't easy. There was a lot of ups and downs. And I know from here on out, I'm going to go back to those moments, but I know I can handle most of life challenges. So we've said this before, you know, I know I have where, you know, running, endurance running is sort of kind of metaphor for life. You know, you have your ups, you have your downs and you can, you know, if you tackle a marathon, a hundred mile or whatever the distance is, it's your endurance distance. And whether it's a training, you know, running in bad weather, at a certain point, you start feeling confident that you can take on anything. And that's what Carrie said. But the the nugget that I got out of this, and it's just a phrase she says is, 
world-class human being. To me, it's like, wow, it's like I've never, you know, anyone can strive to be that. Not everyone can be a world-class athlete, but anyone can strive to be a world-class human being. And we can do it through, you know, the fact that running gives us a little bit of a, of a release, that we're able to be a better, you know, you know, employee, a better, you know, friend, a better family, you know, a better husband, wife, you know, brother, sister, whatever it may be, because running allows us to do that. And that's like, that has stuck with me. And it's something that I'm constantly thinking about. It's like, how can I be a better person? How can I be a world-class human being? So for me, that really, you know, struck a nerve. And and I was like, I'll, I'll never forget that term. And she glossed over like it was nothing. But to me, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That needs some attention. That needs to be called out. Indeed. Thank you for pulling it out. Certainly you and Carrie and so many of those who we have the good fortune of working alongside and interacting with every single day are achieving that world-class human being status. Carrie also mentioned, yes, I'll occasionally go back to those moments. Talk about going back. Our next clip really knows how to go back. Dr. David Reichland goes back 7 million years to help us better understand as he unpacks what it is like to transition from a hunter-gatherer lifestyle to what is now a modern-day fitness routine. The conversation I had with him, I spared no one my fascination with his work or my willingness to gush over what he is sharing and what kind of work and science he is churning out. Let's listen in on one of the highlights of that discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in a sense, I think we're, we're, the, the situation we're in today is one where we don't require physical activity to gain access to the kind of resources that keep us alive. And, and that is completely a product of, of our um, intellectual capabilities, right? I mean, we have designed a place to live where you can pretty much get off your couch, maybe walk just a little bit to get to your car, walk just a little bit to get to the grocery store entrance, you could actually sit in a little scooter in a lot of grocery stores to get your food and then you go home and, and uh, or you can get in your car and drive through McDonald's and get your food. And um, and you don't have to use any physical activity to, to get those calories. Um, so we, we've designed an entire sort of infrastructure to reduce energy expenditures. Now that I mean. That's part of the that's part of the human existence, right? No, when you're given the opportunity to rest and relax, you do. It feels good. Um, and so, if you don't have the requirement of physical activity in your life uh, because you need to go out and forage for food, you know, it's very easy to choose not to. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the the modern society has created a major mismatch between the way we live today and the way our bodies were basically evolved to um, experience the world. And that's, you know, chronic disease today, quite a bit of it is probably is related to some of this kind of mismatch. D2, what that tells me is we, all of us need to be intentional about taking care of ourselves, about our fitness routine, about the consistency that we talk about. We do not have to leave the cave go out and hunt and drag it back in for ourselves and for our family. We do not need to spend the day building our dwelling to ensure protection from the elements. 
that has been done for us to the degree where it is super simple to be fully insulated and very well fed. So intentionality behind fitness is more necessary than ever because we're not just going to anecdotally get it to be able to survive like was necessary 7 million years ago and in those rare hunter-gatherer tribes that still exist. Far more current was a fun trip down memory lane for me. The 1996 Centennial Olympic Games, also predating Big Peach Running Company, but not my arrival in this great city here in the capital of the South. When the Olympic Games were here, our next guest was as well as a participant. Yeah, and you know this was a, a real treat because I'm I'm not a, a track guy. I mean, I'm like most individuals out there who aren't really into running and just pick it up. And so we don't know who the heroes are, who the ones that have paved the path for the other elites who have set the world records. So to listen to Bob Kennedy, you know, was really a, a special treat because I got a little bit of the history of who he was. But there's more of the, to him than just the runner and the elite athlete, the world-class athlete, it was kind of the lessons that he's applied that he learned through competition into his daily life, into his personal life, into the business and things that still, as he references a couple times, 20 years later, that, you know, makes a difference in his life. So we've got a couple of clips here. I'll play them real quick and we'll, uh, you know, share them with you. You know, I have teenage kids now and I, 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 I spend some time with high school athletes and one of the things I see happening is, you know, this fear of failure, this, and you can call it, eh, everyone gets a ribbon and, and, and that, but you know, this fear of failure, this fear, fear of having to walk off the cross country course or the track and say, Oh, I didn't do it. Right. And I'm saying, go for it. I would rather you walk off the cross country course or the track or come out of the classroom or uh, um, whatever and say, man, it didn't work out like I hope, but I went for it and I got a ton out of that experience. And to me, that's what leads to great things down the road. So, you know, the fear of failure. I mean, that's, you know, everyone has that. And that prevents a lot of people from maybe signing up for a race or for, you know, uh, increasing the distance you know maybe you're afraid you go from that 5k to that 10k the 10k to the half marathon ma half marathon to marathon you know it's like and we've talked about this that you know you, i think you even referenced it earlier you know we're going to fail but we fail forward you know we look at ways of improving we learn from that and this next one kind of references a little bit and just ties into this again because it it talks about this 20 years from now what's your best self like what are you capable of doing not necessarily are you winning a state championship or are you making a, a varsity team at a division one program or or are you running under two hours and a half marathon it's what 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 what's the best that i have and it may be all of those things and more it may be less but this is where we get to 20 years from now and I keep saying 20 years from now sitting on my couch because that is literally the best advice I ever received from um, um, my former coach and manager, Kim McDonald, who's like 20 years from now, how are you going to feel about this? And that was specific conversation about drugs in sport, which we can talk about later, which I've never done, but FYI, <laughs> just a little teaser there. Yes. Um, the, but, but 20 years from now, how are you going to feel about every, every 
bit of energy and effort that you put into something, how are you going to feel about it? And if it's all about this one thing, if it's all about I have to run this time or I have to make this team or I have to you know, set this record and you're just not physically capable of doing that, you will not have the appreciation for the success that you had even if you missed that goal. So you know, this just goes to that saying of like having no regrets, you know, whether it's signing up for a race, but it's also that part of, you know, and I've, I've referenced this sort of indirectly. This is why it appeals to me so much is that, you know, I signed up for a marathon and I was like, oh, so what's your you know, BQ time? Are you, do you, are you looking to, to, to Boston qualify? And I'm like, you know what? I'm okay if I never Boston qualify because I'm looking at improving and getting better. And if I run faster in my next marathon that I did the previous one, that's an improvement. That's a better version of myself. That's I'm giving my best at, for that particular race. And if I never make it to Boston, I'm okay with that. And it's not that I'm not trying hard enough or whatever, but I don't want to lose the joy of running in pursuit of a goal. If I don't get it, does all of a sudden, does that negate any of the work, any of the enjoyment, any of the journey that I've had? You know, there was that time where it was like when I first got a triathlon, I was like, oh, it'd be great to get to Kona, you know. But at a certain point, it's like, well, what, you know, it's fun just to be out there. It's fun just to be a participant. It's fun just to interact with other individuals. And if I never get to Kona, does that mean it negates everything else, the experiences, the people, and and the improvements I've made? The fact that, you know, when I started out, I couldn't, could barely swim, and now I'm, I'm a more competent swimmer that I actually used to hate swimming, and now I love swimming you know, not competitively, but just out of pure enjoyment and recreation and physical activity. Those are things that I can look back on and going, yeah, it was worth it. And, and, you know, 20 years from now, I'm gonna be like, yep, I'm glad I did it. You know, maybe never we'll do another triathlon, maybe I'll never do another Ironman, but I'm going, I did it. And I had an awesome time. And yeah, it was awesome. But the fact I never got to Kona, or if I never get to Boston, I'm like, I'm cool with that, too. Because along the way, I met some awesome people. I've had some awesome experiences and I improved my health and hopefully lived a very long life because of it. So for me, that that really struck a nerve um, because I think that's how I've tried to, over the last couple of years, change how I look at athletic competition. You know, I'm not racing every month like I used to. Like I've got, I'm training for the next and people always ask me, it's like, what do you train for next? I'm like, I don't know. Life. <laughs> well, I have to say, as I listened to you, I couldn't tell whether you were talking about your own athletic pursuits and where you've been and will continue to go and running or just this podcast journey, because you talk about reflection, you talk about meeting special people, you talk about the pressure almost of the past as you look into the future, because now should you be training for certain things? Should you have certain standards that are in place? And my goodness, D2, 49 episodes in the books. This is number 50. We have met so many special people. We've learned so much. We've enjoyed ourselves to what I would classify as the nth degree, but we're not done and we are putting pressure on ourselves. We are training for the next 49 episodes. I have no doubt we're going to continue to meet, engage with, and share very cool people with others and end up being better for it. So I have so much excitement and enthusiasm about what is to come. You think about these pillars once again. We will share them before we go to a break. As we go to this break with us, won't you consider them? 
Won't you consider them for yourself and how you might live them out for others to inform, to inspire, to empower, and to encourage? That is the Run ATL podcast. That is the heart of D2 and me. And certainly, listeners, we thank you for what you've done while we've journeyed together. We believe that is you as well. We'll be back to wrap this special episode right after this brief message. Congratulations to everyone that got into the lottery and will be joining us and the rest of the 60,000 participants on July 4th. Now is the time to start thinking about what you'll be wearing down Petrie Road that morning or later that evening enjoying the fireworks. That's why we have the Patriotic Asics Gel DS Trainer 24. There are limited qualities available for pre-order and we expect these to sell out. We also have Patriotic Run ATL shirts available now online. Go to BigPeachRunningCo.com and order your patriotic gear and suit up for the 4th of July. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, our special 50th episode edition here, D2. We are on the home stretch for this episode. Many more to come. One of the things that's really cool about this, we will launch this episode. Many people in and around Atlanta, around this great country of ours, now know they are one of the participants in the 50th edition of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. That's right. So if you're an ATC member and you registered, you know you're in because it's guaranteed entry. But for those of you that um, registered through the lottery, you will find out either today or tomorrow, very shortly, whether you got into the 50th uh, running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And with that said, we have some new product that you might be interested in. I think you'll really like them. Um, it is the ASICS, a patriotic ASICS gel DS trainer 24. It's got a knit upper. It's got stars and stripes in the, in, in the soles. It's red, white, and blue. I think it's a fantastic looking shoe. It's available for pre-order now on our website, as well as some patriotic run ATL tees and tanks that we have available. So those can be found on bigpeachrunningcode.com. Said the shirts are available now for purchase online. The shoes are pre orders and they'll start shipping on June 1st. So there it is. It may be the only show note, given this was a collection of unbelievable notes from the first 49 episodes. D2, I think the new studio digs worked out quite comfortably. I know you'll check the audio before we send this to release. I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you for all that you've done over the last couple of years to bring this to life and to present it to a market that has been very receptive. Certainly, we're grateful for them, but I am grateful for you, my friend. Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've had since day one, starting out, you know, working as a guest advocate to moving up through the ranks and, and, and now doing this marketing role, you know, co-hosting a podcast. And, and so it's, it's, it's been a fun ride and I hope uh, it continues. Many more fond moments to come. Our sign-off will not change, not in this episode, not in the next 50. We remind you, we tell ourselves, we mean it with so much of who we are. May your best miles be those covered on foot. Hey, y'all, if you enjoy our podcast, let us know. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or guests you'd like to hear on the Run ATL podcast, email us at podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. That's podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.